What up? And welcome to Pushing Boundaries. Now, I got to come clean a little bit about the title of this episode. Uh, I was never an inmate in prison or ever incarcerated as a inmate. Um, I worked in prison and I worked in jail. In, in total, I worked in incarceration for around two years, but a majority of that time was in prison. Uh, I remember that when I was in jail, a lot of the people who were inmates there could not wait to get to prison. And I was so confused by this message. I was thinking, well, jail is bad enough. Why would you want to take that step forwards um, to, to go to something, what I thought was going to be a little bit worse? I've never been in prison. The only experiences before working in incarceration that I had with prison and jail was in TV shows, movies, uh, social media, that kind of stuff. I mean, I've seen the TikToks, the Instagrams of you know, people who uh, get phones while in prison or jail. And I was always so confused about, well, first off, why do they have that phone? And second off, why would you ever film yourself and post something? Because they're going to find you, right? Somebody is going to see that. Of course, those things become extremely viral. Maybe that's the reason why I'm choosing this to be an episode and title it the way that I did was because it's viral. People are very curious about what it's like in incarceration. Now, I'll tell you this. A lot of people think when they see these things, when they see these movies, when they see these TV shows, they think, oh, I could survive that. Oh, it's just, oh, a two-year bid. Oh, a five-year bid. It's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a long time, but I could survive it. I'm here to tell you that majority of the people will not succeed while in prison, right? And that shouldn't be too crazy of an idea that you might not be able to survive uh, uh, mentally, maybe even physically while in prison or in incarceration in general. But I think the majority of this episode or what I'll be talking about is my experiences in prison as a mental health worker. I was a counselor uh, in prison and in jail. Specifically, I was in the mental health units or where the seriously mentally ill were housed. Um, a lot of the time when I was in prison, I spent uh, talking to different guys who had just recently came to prison and I was making sure that they got where they needed to go. If you didn't really have any mental health needs, um, or if your mental health needs were very uh, minor, then you would get sent to general population. And depending on how bad your crime was and where you were ranked within this system, uh, depended or uh, judged where you were going to be sent, what facility you were going to be sent to. And I believe that this works in all states where there's different yards for a different level of crime. So if you hear someone say, oh, I was on a four or five yard, you know that their crime was serious enough or the stuff that they did while they were incarcerated was serious enough for them to be on mostly lockdown, uh, rarely getting out of their cells. Uh, when they were, they were very much supervised. They could only be out at certain times with certain other inmates uh, because it's very political. And when I say political, I don't mean, oh, the Republicans were housed with the Republicans, the Democrats. No, it's it's a very race-based system. And I, I guess th there really is no solving this issue. It just is what it is. Whites are with the whites, blacks are with the blacks, Hispanics are with the Hispanics, and so on and so forth. And a lot of people find that they are forced into these groups, even if they don't really care much for the politics themselves. It's just the belly of the beast. Now, prison 
is a very depressing and dark place. Shocked, right? You must be shocked hearing, uh, hearing me say that. Um, I don't think it matters whether you are an inmate or whether you're a worker. It's a very dark place. And it is very, very easy as a worker to lose yourself, to get lost in the sauce. You hear about stories in the news online and stuff about people who are working there, um, nurses, mental health workers, uh, guards who get trapped and have relationships with these inmates. Or they slip up, they let their anger get the best of them, or the power trip get the best of them, and they do something with or to these inmates that gets them in trouble. I've never met, I mean, in my time working, I never met really anybody who had wound up getting locked up for what they've done, but I have been around people who have slipped up and lost their license, lost their job, lost their careers, uh, lost their families for these people who are incarcerated. Now, when I was working in prison, I had to make this distinction for myself because I'm a person in the world and I don't like when certain things happen. I don't like when you do stuff to kids. I don't like when you do stuff to uh, women. And I'm not just saying like, oh, you know, you know, forget the men. Uh, but certain acts I don't enjoy. And this is the same for other prisoners. If a prisoner or if the mass population find out that you were somebody who abused or did something to a child, then you have a, a target on your back. And a lot of the times these people get put into a certain type of custody where they're either around other people who are in the same predicament or they get placed in somewhere like where I was working, which is the mental health ward. Now, the mental health ward specifically is a crazy, crazy place. And I don't mean that with a pun. I mean that these people, some of them are very, very, very sick. Some of them are not, but majority of them are very, very, very sick. And for somebody who works in this environment every day or majority of the week like I did, it's hard to separate yourself from that environment. I remember when I was working there, it was a struggle for me to go to work and it felt like I was being released from prison every day that I was done with my shift. When I would leave prison, I would have to decompress for several hours, and it affected my relationships. My relationships with my friends, my relationships with my loved ones, it just affected me. It's hard to shake off. I kind of like to think of it as, if there's a prison near you, within a couple mile radius of that prison, it's like a dark cloud. The energy is just bad. And that's what I was saying before about you think that you can survive prison, but if you are not mentally strong enough, you will not survive. So some of the things and some of the things that I learned while I was in prison is what I want to talk about today. And maybe this can prevent you from making mistakes that winds you up in a place like prison or jail. Jail is very different than prison. Jail is a place where majority of the people do not know their sentence. A lot of the times they're just being brought in. Um, they don't know really what's going on. If they're on drugs or 
alcohol or something else like that. They're really kind of confused about how they wound up doing what they were doing. And now they're in a cell with no clothes um, or, you know, an orange jumpsuit or whatever color jumpsuit that that state follows. Um, and it's very shocking. The food, not the greatest, obviously. The facilities themselves, also not the greatest. They're state run. What do you expect? I don't really know about federal prisons and I don't really know about private prisons, but I worked in a state prison. Uh, it was a very different atmosphere from jail to prison. Jail is kind of like a messed up version of Vegas where there's no windows, there's no clocks, the lights are always on, and there's people constantly surveying you to make sure that nothing is going on. Do things still go on? All the time. But again, I have to make a, or I have to distinguish here that I was not in general population. I was in a mental health uh, unit while I was in jail, and I was in a mental health unit while I was in prison. Now, while I was in jail, I dealt a lot with people who were actively trying to harm themselves or other people. Very dangerous, uh, very dangerous people. People who may have been high profile as far as had just recently been in the news for what they had done or had recently done something that even in my wildest imagination, I don't think I could have thought of. And if I could have, there was always that one step further. Every day when I went into work, it was a, oh, what am I going to see today? What am I going to hear today? What am I going to have to do today or, or muster the courage to deal with today? And the officers are in a very similar position. But I also make that distinction too, that when it comes to workers there, there's a different level of safety between um, who's in there. Officers and the sheriffs and the um, wardens, the all those people are in a very very dangerous spot because for the people who are in the prison, the inmates, there's a tough distinction between, oh, these are cops and these are just people who are maintaining the security of the facility itself. Now for workers there, like nurses, like the doctors, the psychiatrists, the counselors, like myself, um, we're a little bit safer because for the most part, the people who are in the prison, the inmates, know that we're there just to help. And we don't really have any sort of power when it comes to release, when it comes to uh, treatment, when it comes to really any of that stuff. The only thing that or power that we have, um, at least from a counselor perspective or from what, what I found, was that I could talk to officers and be like, okay, this is what's going on for this person. This is how you should interact with this person. Um, so that it's a easier experience both for the safety of the inmate themselves and for the officers. Because I wanted to keep most people safe. I didn't want to see anybody die. I didn't want to see anybody, you know, harmed, anything like that. Did it happen? Of course. Now, prison was different. And the reason why a lot of the people wanted to get to prison faster, if that was their sentence that they were going to be in there for a while, was there was windows, you could see the outside, um, there was opportunities, more opportunities for um, visitation, better food, um, and just different. 
And I found that that was kind of true too. When I first started working in prison, I noticed there was a vast shift in the feeling, uh, the general vibe, um, and the prisoners themselves. So when I would do stuff like intakes, I would talk to these people about, okay, well, I wouldn't really ask them what their crime was or why they were there. To me, it didn't, it didn't really matter. Yes, I, I feel that for certain people who are working there, you kind of have to know, oh, if this person harmed a bunch of people, ended the lives of several people, then it's a very dangerous person. And you kind of have to play with those. And you kind of have to play with those boundaries. Now, I made sure that these people, if they needed the mental health help, if they really needed, if they weren't going to be safe in a general population environment, that they would come into the unit that I would normally work at, which was a mental health unit. Now, one thing that I did notice, or a couple things that I noticed while I was doing these intakes that I found were particularly interesting, was the amount of people who would talk to me about their uh, significant history of drug use at a young age that continued until where they were at now. I'm not saying that all people who go to prison are drug users, but it seemed like a lot of them were. And it wasn't just the weed. It wasn't just, oh, I drink. It was serious drugs. Fentanyl, the heroin, meth or G, um, spice. A lot of these more dangerous drugs. Now, Another thing that I noticed was a lot of these people's home lives were far from perfect. A lot of the times I found that these men, because I worked in an all-male prison, um, and for the, when I was working in jail, it was mostly with men as well. But when I was working in this all-male prison, I found that a lot of these guys did not have a good relationship with their fathers or did not know who their fathers were at all. And during this time when I would go home, I would really think about, okay, what is the impact of fatherlessness in the community um, as far as when you, if you go to prison, if you wind up homeless, if you wind up being a drug user or abuser, um, and if you wind up just dead in general? Now, I think it's a blanket statement to say that if you don't have a father within your home, then you're going to wind up in prison. But it is a very, very, very high percentage chance that if you grow up without a father, that you will get into at certain activities that could lead down that pathway towards prison. Now, prison was a wild experience every single day. Every single day. I've seen people do the worst things to themselves, to other people. And then I've been maced. I've been sprayed with the pepper gas. Um, I've been attacked. I've been um, in very, very unsafe environments. But I really liked it. I really liked working with these guys. Because I found that if me as a male went to go speak to these other men from a very non-judgmental perspective, no matter what they, they, no, no matter what they did to get there, if I went from a non-judgmental perspective and just listened to them, then my relationship with them would flourish. They'd trust me. They'd want to talk to me. Um, they'd 
ask me for advice about certain things. And I found that I was able to prevent certain things from happening or prevent, more specifically, uh, prevent these guys from getting hurt. Now, I say that, like I said before, about from a non-judgmental perspective. And I said that in the beginning, it was very hard for me because once I found out that a certain person did something that I found was unforgivable, at least from a, I'm not a counselor perspective, I'm just a human being in the world who sees evil, who sees good, um, like everybody else. It was hard to go into that with a blank and open mind. I'm going to help this person who just did this or who doesn't care that they did this. But then I have to think about it like this person was not given a fair chance from birth. A lot of these guys, I talk to them and it's like, you really had no chance in life. You had no possibility to get anywhere other than here. And in fact, a lot of these guys, I was like, prison is the safest place for you and for the general public, which is again, a weird thing to think. Now, one thing that I think I want to talk about when it comes to some of the inmates was the amount of schizophrenia and the amount of personality disorders that I saw. Now, personality disorders, schizophrenia, other psychotic disorders show up very differently for different people. And it depends also, too, on the drugs that you were using, what was going on before you, or at least they, had wound up to be talking to me in prison. I've had guys who have come up to the cell door and be and go, hey, man, do you see that guy that's in my cell with me? And I look up in the cell with them, and there's no one there. And I'd be, I'd say, there's no one in your cell with you. And they'd come up real, you know, closer to the cell door, and they'd be like, okay, man, come on, come on. Do you see that person right there? I'd be like, I promise you there's nobody else in your cell. And they'd be like, oh, you lying to me? No, there's no one else in your cell. I'd be like, oh, okay, 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 all right, man, all right, man, I'll ask you again later. And I'm like, okay, that's not that bad. Grand scheme of things, that's not that bad. Um, the blood, the uh, self-harm, none of that stuff really bothered me either. I felt like a lot of the times I would go into these situations where there was someone actively trying to harm themselves or had just done something to harm themselves, and there were lots of fluids coming out, um, lots of um, other stuff spilling out of someone after they harm themselves. And I would talk to these people, you know, as they're being stitched up, as they're being uh, uh, handled by medical staff, I would talk to these people about why, what was going on for you while you were doing this. The one thing that did bother me was the poop stuff. I just can't do it. The smell. I feel like it's the smell of somebody else's poop. I, I don't know. Is that, is that a weird thing? I feel like I'm okay with myself, but then if it has to deal with like somebody else's feces, I'm just, I'm out. And then if you start spreading it on your cell door or eating it, I'm out. I can't. I'm going to still talk to you, but I have to really in my mind, you know, go to my happy place. I, I can't, I can't get caught up in what I'm seeing because it's, it's vile. It's absolutely vile. I want to bring this to a happier 
point though, I know I'm talking about all this like darker stuff, within all this craziness, once these guys were able to talk to someone and feel some support, you realize that these people are really just normal guys who just messed up, who made a mistake. I know there's a lot of you who might be listening to this who have done something that could have wound them up in a place like jail or prison, but just for some reason, by God's grace, whatever it is, did not get caught and came out unscathed. Some people are not that lucky. Some people just need that person to reach out to them, and then they can start to do a little better in a prison environment and hopefully get better when they get out. And that was my whole mentality too while I was in prison, was it doesn't really matter what they did. What I got to do is be a good person, or at least what I think is a good person for these people, support them the best way that I know how to. Because if, if when they get out, if they ever see me when they're out, I don't want any problems. And with that comes a little bit of the, oh, well, you're still seeing this as a, oh, they're a bad person type stuff. No. You mess up once, you can mess up again very easily, especially when it comes to drugs, especially when it comes to unresolved anger, resentment, um, and these very serious psychotic disorders. Something that I saw that was kind of interesting when it came to prison too was it was mostly open. There was a lot of inmates walking around, doing various jobs, even in the mental health unit, depending on how bad your crime was, what level you were at. Um, if you were at a low enough custody level, then you were able to walk freely for a lot of the time. So it's me walking within a sea of orange. And for some people, that's very frightening. It's a very, it could turn very unsafe very fast. But like I said before, I noticed that if you were honest, if you were a real person, and if you had strong values and strong boundaries, then these guys respected it. And it would turn into something where it was like, hey, if, there, if, if stuff's ever going down, you as a mental health counselor, you're okay. We're just going to attack the officers. We're just going to attack the other inmates. You're fine. I've even had times where um, an inmate has attacked me, and I, and I use the air quotes because, you know, I've... The, for the majority of the times I, when I was talking to someone, I did not have them shackled to the chair because I wanted them to feel open and free enough to feel comfortable to, to talk about these harder things. It put myself in a pretty dangerous position, but I didn't really see it that way. If I first met an inmate and I didn't really know about them and I knew that they were violent, sure, I would have them handcuff only one arm to the chair. Because I didn't really see the point of, let's get the leg shackles, let's get the, you know, the back stuff, let's get all that. I didn't, I didn't. And if an officer said, hey, we're doing this, hey, that's on them. I can't do anything. I'm not going to go against what the officers are saying because they keep me safe. Yeah, the inmates will say, hey, we're going to keep you safe. But the officers are there in place to keep the peace, to keep the safety. Do they do that all the time? Maybe that's a, a, a story for a different time. But... I wouldn't have these guys shackled down for the most part, and it seemed to work. I'm meeting them level to level. I'm just a person. You're just a person. I'm not a mental health professional when I'm talking to you. Yes, I am, but I'm a person who knows a lot or a decent amount about what you're dealing with, and maybe I can offer you some help because when I leave here, I get to go home. 
I get to eat what I want. I get to watch what I want. I get to do basically what I want. And these guys can't. And if you take a perspective of, oh, I'm better than you, then it's not going to wind up well for you. I promise you that. But I would notice that if one of these guys happened to pick something up that was near them in the office and throw it at me, I'd have to call for a... um, an emergency, the officers would take them out. And it's not just like, oh, it's an emergency. Like they're about to, you know, harm me. It was just procedure. You know, they can't move. They're shackled to the the chair, but I have to call an officer to come over. And because it's basically assault, what they're doing. If someone came up to you on the street and threw something at you violently, it's, it's assault. And it works the same way in prison, obviously. I would find that when you call on the radio, these guys who are locked up in their cells, they listen for these things. They know what's going on, but even if you don't think that they do, they know a lot more than you do. They're the experts. You're just a person. You're just a guest in this environment. And they'd say to me, yo, we heard what so-and-so did. We're going to mess him up. And I'd be like, no, dude, I don't need you to do that. Please do not do that. Do not put yourself in a worse position just because somebody else did something. I wasn't hurt. Everything was okay. And even if I was hurt, I signed myself up for this experience. So one thing that I think that helped me out in prison was to have a dark sense of humor. A very, very dark sense of humor. The officers have the dark sense of humor. The workers have a very dark sense of humor. The nurses have a dark sense of humor. The inmates have a very dark sense of humor. You do kind of have to laugh some of these things off. You can't get lost in the sauce of the violence, of the self-harm, of all that stuff. Because if you do, as an inmate, as a worker, as anyone who's involved in prison, you are not going to survive. You have to find a way to, to, to have peace while seeing all of the destruction, the violence, the pain, the suffering. You have to. You're going to drown. You're going to drown in that dark cloud. Like I was talking about before. So some of these guys, you you just have to mess with. I had a guy one time when I was walking by the cell, he would scream things at me because I dressed well enough, I guess. I would wear a collared shirt or a lot of the times I would wear, um, I can't think of the word. A lot of the times I would wear scrubs uh, because I didn't want my street clothes to get dirty, to get, you know, fluids on them. I wanted to keep my clothes nice. And I had a specific um, shoes, specific shoes that I would wear in the prison because I don't want my normal shoes to be all up in that. Because again, you're stepping over in a lot of different things. Um, there was a guy who every time I walked by his cell would scream things at me like, Oh, you, uh, you, you, you homosexual. Oh, you, this, this, and this, I'm going to, when I get out of here, I'm going to stick my, in your, and I would look, (laughs) I would look at him and I would say, Oh, I'm the homosexual, but you're talking about sticking yourself inside of me. That seems pretty gay of a statement overall from you. And he'd sit there and go, well, I'm just going to piss in my mouth. And would literally lay down on the floor with his butt 
up on the wall with his legs up on the wall as well, grab himself and piss into his own mouth. The officers thought this was a riot. Me, I'm like, uh, what am I going to tell him to stop pissing in his mouth? He's not going to listen to me. He's just going to throw more profanities, obscenities at me. You know, he's not harming anybody really other than himself, I guess, with the urine. But urine's mostly clean anyway. So, hey, if that's all, that's the worst that happens, he calms down after that. Hey, say la vie. I also found that there were a lot of guys who would actively act out in order to get attention. They would do things like harm themselves, cause mini fires, um, um, piss out of their cell doors, or smear their feces everywhere just so that they could get the attention. They didn't really care about getting sprayed, getting maced, um, uh, getting taken down to the ground. They didn't really care about that, and they would get all upset afterwards. Oh, they hurt me. They hurt my wrist, this, this, and this. And I'd be like, yeah, you did this. Don't you remember doing this? Yeah, but... but but I just, I just wanted, and this wasn't fair, and this, this, and this. I'm like, do you not see that this is not the right way to go about things? But in reality, these, a lot of these guys do not make that connection. I'm talking to a 45-year-old man, just an example. I'm talking to a 45-year-old man who has the mentality of a 16-year-old and a, and a, and a low-functioning 16-year-old at that. Uh, very resourceful, these prisoners. Very, very resourceful. I saw some very beautiful things happen while I was in there. Very, very, very intelligent things, too. I'd see guys come together to create burritos out of their lunch or breakfast trays um, and create little devices where they could stick wires into the outlets, drop it into some water, mostly their toilet, in saran wrap, again, that they got from their trays, create like a boiling pot of water, basically, and cook things. I thought that was ingenious. And to me, I'd be like, you have all of this potential and you're wasting it. You need to create better goals for yourself. When you get out of here, what are you going to do with your life? I saw other beautiful things too. Like I said before, prison is very political and there's a separation between races. But in a mental health unit, it's really not. Everybody's just thrown together. Again, depending on your custody level. I've seen guys who are straight up white supremacist, KKK skinheads hanging out with guys who were in notorious black gangs, guys who have tattoos all over their bodies, the swastikas, the white power, the, all that stuff, hanging out with guys who have tattoos all over their bodies for uh, Mexican mafia ga uh, gang um, or the you know black gangs that were in there uh, working out together. They both had similar mental health issues were in this program to help themselves out and found solace in each other saying, hey, you know exactly or close to how I feel or what I'm experiencing. And for that, we can become closer because of it. It's like a brotherhood would be formed. Now, sometimes these brotherhoods would uh, develop into, okay, now we're going to control the less functioning uh, inmates, the lower functioning inmates, the guys with the very, very serious mental health disorders. And that I didn't really stand for. If I started to see that some of these higher functioning guys were taking advantage of these lower functioning guys, okay, now we have a problem. And I'm not going to step in there and use my fists or anything, but we're going to have to have a talk. Why are you doing this? What's going on? What are you learning from this? You're just going to die in here. You're going to go back out. You're going to make the same mistakes and you're going to come back in here. Oh, uh, it's a problem. 
So I think overall, do not go to prison. It's not a fun place. And you know what? If the money was right, I, I might work there again. But the money has to be real, real right. I'm not going to take that risk for my own life. You know, I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm stressed and I'm paranoid and I'm all that stuff and put my loved ones in a position where they don't really know how to approach the situation while I'm in such an anxious and stressed state um, for what I was being paid before. And it's state money. So who really knows if that would ever even happen? If the people who are working there, the officers that are working there, would actually get the money that they need in order to want to come to work and do a good job. A lot of these officers, a lot of the workers that are there have mental health problems themselves that they're trying to handle, but then they're also in this environment that is very chaotic, very uh, uh, dangerous, very not conducive of success unless you're able to do that work on your own. And I found that when I got out of you know a shift when I was going home, the only thing that I could really do was eat and play something like Pokemon. I had to remove myself entirely from other people. I didn't want to text anybody. I didn't want to call anybody. I didn't want to talk about anything. I just wanted to not think anymore. And for me, the video games was a great coping skill. I didn't play anything like Call of Duty. I didn't play anything that would make me uh, anxious or competitive or angry because then I would get too angry and I'd have to put it down. And I'm like, now now I'm pissed off at, at video games. I would only play things. Animal Crossing was big during this time. Fallout was big for me during this time. Red Dead Redemption 1 and 2 was big for me during this time. And I'm glad that I was in a relationship, that I am in a relationship where my girlfriend understands or understood, hey, I can't really approach this or him right now. He needs this time. Was she worried for me? Yes. When I talk about these things, does it put her back in that place? I think so. But I'm glad that she was able to understand and for those of you who have never been in prison and don't work in prison, it's really hard for you to understand maybe what I'm talking about. I can give you as much description as I possibly can, uh, but it's completely different once you're in that environment and you feel what it's like to be in prison. And this is coming from a perspective of someone who wasn't even an inmate, but oftentimes, even though I was getting paid to be there, it felt like I was right there in the, right, right in prison with them. So it helps where if you can find, if you work in prison, it helps if you can find a way to describe to your loved ones what you're going through mentally and what you need. I feel this way. This is what I need. I'm sorry. Or not even I'm sorry. I, I, this is just what I need right now. And if you can't support me in that way, then I just have to cut myself off from you for uh, until I am ready. And again, it's hard for the people who love you, who have to watch you go through this because they're waiting at some point to maybe get a phone call that says your husband, your wife, your significant other, your whatever has been in an, has been in an accident or something serious has happened to you, this person, or, Hey, this person isn't alive anymore because of this, 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 and this, it's a constant fear. 
I know for myself, my mother and my girlfriend were always worried about my mental health and what I was going through, what I was getting put into the environment, all that stuff. They were very worried about that. And it's, I had to tell them, hey, you, I don't need that. You can be worried for me and you can think these things, but I don't need you to put that on me. I don't need that extra anxiety of, oh, there's people who are worrying about me when there's so many other things that I have to worry about myself as someone who works in there. I think bringing this to a broader spectrum, there was a lot of times where you might feel that you are in a position where you are stuck where you are in a metaphorical prison, per se. You feel like there's nothing that you can do and you feel like you're going crazy. You feel like you are at the brink of something terrible. But that shouldn't be a reason for you to just give up, to just lay down and let the world kind of run you over. You need to take the responsibility into your own hands to take the steps to make yourself feel better. Prison specifically is a rough space and is not for everybody. That's why there's so few people who actually work in prisons, who want to work in prisons, and who stay in prison for a long time. A lot of the officers who I spoke to were thinking about, oh, I want to be a police officer. or Oh, I want to get out of this and I want to do this. Oh, I want to, because it's, you don't want to stay in an environment like that. Nobody does. And the people who do want to stay in prison, like I said before, were people who they're much better off there than not. A lot of the times these guys, uh, this is the only way that they're going to get food. This is the only way they're, they're going to get water. This is the only, they have a bed. The cots there suck, but a metal cot with a two inch styrofoam mattress and a blanket is much better than sleeping on the concrete. So, so I think the moral of this episode is one, a couple morals. One, don't go to prison. Two, if you do wind up finding yourself in a position where you're going to jail, you're going to prison, you need to prepare your mind for what is about to happen. You need to prepare yourself as best as possible for what you're about to see, for what you're about to go through, what you're about to hear. And three, while you're in there, while you're pacing your cell, while you're doing your coping skills, like writing in a journal, writing your family, uh, listening to music, Uh, getting out and getting to be able to exercise while you're doing those things, you have the time to establish what are my goals and how am I going to turn this around for myself? Because nobody else is going to do it for you. If, if it was, if it, if that was the case, I could have gone in there and said, you are not going to do this anymore. You are not going to be owned by these drugs. You are not going to, you know, do this, 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 and the other thing. And then these people would be cured. Let them, let them go. But that's not the case. The only thing that I could do, the only thing that us as mental health professionals can do in a prison or jail any, any or any incarceration setting is give you the tools, or give the person the tools and hope for the best. Hope that they it clicks for them and that they take that information and they run with it. The last thing that I can say about prison or incarceration is when you are ready to be released, you need to have a plan in motion of how you are going to stay away from the things that got you there in the first place. If it's your goal to never go back to a place like that, and it should be, you need to have a plan in motion of this is the way that I'm going to find housing. 
This is the way that I am going to find some sort of job, to find some sort of income. And this is what I'm going to do to be more productive in the world. You may not be a millionaire. You may not be a billionaire. It could be possible. But if not, find a way to live by your means and never go back again. And find people who support that. Don't find people who are just going to put you back in the same position and uh, make you slip up, especially when it comes to drugs. A lot of these guys, when I would ask them, hey, what's your plan when you get out of prison? Oh, I'm going to smoke a fat blunt. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna, you know, go back to this, this, and this. And a lot of the times, I can't blame that. Hey, if I was in a prison cell for a long time, I think the only thing I would be thinking about is, oh, I want to get high. I don't want to think about this anymore. But on the other hand, it's even if your friends have the best intentions in mind, hey, you're having a stressful day. Things have been bad. Why don't you come over? I got something for that. They have good intentions, but the result may not be what you're hoping for. You may just wind up in the same place. You may slip up again, and you might just wind up in the worst place imaginable.